As parents, we often have gut feelings when something just isn't right. This can be especially true in co-parenting arrangements where one parent is struggling with addiction. If you're co-parenting with an ex-spouse who abuses alcohol, Soberlink can help. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. The system's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety, and your kids are able to maintain healthy relationships with both parents. To sign up and get $50 off your device, visit www.soberlink.com empowered. Welcome to the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Price. With my 30 years of divorce coaching experience, I fully prepare you for the critical decisions that will impact you for the rest of your life. Through this podcast, you'll gain valuable insights on all aspects of divorce, from the logistical and financial to the emotional and legal. With expert guests, practical advice, actionable tips, and inspiring conversations, we'll explore how to master your divorce and emerge stronger on the other side. You don't have to face this alone. Let's start this journey together and create a better future. So without further ado, let's get started with the show. beautiful. I'm so glad you're here today. I am so excited to have a wonderful guest, Lisa Ziderman, who is the managing partner at Miller Ziderman LLP based in New York. She's the managing partner and certified divorce financial analyst. What a combo. She regularly handles complex financial and custody divorce matters and pre and postnuptial agreements for high net worth in individuals. We just recorded a live version of the podcast today for Going Solo Network, and it was a fascinating experience. So I can't wait for her to help you learn about what to look for in an attorney and all about your relationship with your divorce attorney. Lisa, I'm so glad you're here with us today. Thank you again for being with me. Thanks so much. It, it's great. We actually got to spend some time this morning and now we're, we're doing it again. So this is perfect. I know. I love it. So here's, um, here's kind of the situation. I'm thinking about getting divorced. Uh, no, I don't want my husband to hear this because <laughs> I'm really not. Let's say someone else is thinking about getting divorced. What are the first things she should do to prepare herself? So I would say the very first things to do are to sit down and to try to make some sort of a spreadsheet of assets, liabilities, and expenses. Also gathering documents. So if, if she can, if she can find, for example, the last three years of tax returns, bank statements, credit card statements, brokerage account statements, all of those things that would be backup for when she goes into a consultation with an attorney so that she can talk about the financial issues. Also, 
it would be good and helpful to start to think about prior to a consultation about what is it that she really is looking for in terms of any custody situations for her children. Okay. What do you think about a divorce team that's composed of a divorce, a certified divorce financial analyst and an attorney? What are your thoughts on that? So I I think it depends on the divorce. I think it's great if there is, frankly, a need for it. You know, I'm a big fan of having a team because I think a team actually, they can collaborate, they can strategize together. And we often work with certified divorce financial analysts. As you know, I I am one, but I like sometimes to have that extra voice. And so we do actually work with, with CDFAs. We also work with financial advisors a lot of the time. Um, because it's helpful for people to understand what they will be getting um, and also what they need to to be able to live month to month. So I'm a very big um, fan of this. Also therapeutic um, people on the team, that's always helpful. So having somebody, you know, who is a therapist who, you know, sometimes you can get on the phone with as an attorney and speak about if if issues are arising, particularly in terms of custody issues. If your client is seeing a therapist, that's sometimes helpful as well. So I'm a big fan of the collaboration and the team effort. Yeah. And I love as the coach to be able to refer my clients to those people. I generally give them two or three names of each role so that they can interview and make the decisions themselves. But I feel like that's that takes one step out of the craziness for them, because generally everyone comes into divorce full of overwhelm and emotions and someone that can help them kind of go through it, I think, can help with that. So I agree with you on the divorce team. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of. I'm going to say this. I think the word overwhelm is really is really how people feel when they're in a divorce. And we as attorneys sometimes overlook the fact that you're not the clients are not used to the terminology. They're not used to what's going on in their case. You know, sometimes we take it for granted. Well, we're serving a summons or we're doing discovery and we're serving notices for discovery. And the client is like, whoa, I I don't know what any of these things are. So it's really important, I think, that they have a team because they they can ask the divorce coach, they can ask the therapist, they can ask the financial advisor, like, what's going on here? Is is what Lisa's doing like the normal routine? Is that what we should all be doing? Right. Absolutely. I, I think so much. I love the idea of collaborating because there's so many facets to divorce, to the people in divorce, to the process that, you know, more more than one head always gives you a better result. So I think that's a hundred percent. And it's like, you know, when you go to a doctor's office and you find out that, you know, maybe something isn't right, right? It's always good to have somebody with you to mm-hmm. hear that information too, because you may not be processing it in the same way that somebody who is less um I would say less overwhelmed and less affected by the results or less affected by the issues, they they can hear it in an unbiased way and they can also help you process the information later. Now, quick question about that is, if you do that with an attorney, is that person protected by attorney-client privilege? That is my favorite question. That is such a great question, Beverly. Um, I have to say that so many people don't think about it and it's great. So. Um, there is something called a Covell agreement. And a Covell agreement 
Um, I often actually enter into Covell agreements with certain professionals. Now, I don't do it with therapists, but I do do it, for example, with valuation um, experts. And I do it when when we need to get an expert involved, okay, as part of our team. And they are going to help me to understand perhaps what a business valuation is or whether the restricted stock units, how they're going to be divided or some of the other complex issues. If you sign a Covell agreement, it means that I, my firm, is actually the client. So even though... Um, you know, the client is getting the, the benefit of the information and frankly paying the bill. OK, the information flow is going through my office with the expert. And the reason that it's permitted to, to actually occur that way is because I need that expert to help me actually do the work and to help understand it. So there is and, and it's it's complicated. In fact, I, I had written an article in the New York Law Journal, which I'll be happy to at some point to share with you, Beverly, um, about what a Covell agreement is and when it applies and when it doesn't apply. So if your client is going, for example, to get their taxes um, actually done, that accountant is not going to have a Covell agreement with me. But on the other hand, if we are doing what's called a lifestyle analysis or a business valuation and the expert accountant needs to actually be doing that work to help enhance the work that I'm doing and help explain the work that I'm doing, then um, it's a tool and I am then the client. And that is privileged. So you're 100% correct. It, 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 that is the big question is whether the Covell agreement will apply when it does and when it doesn't. Now, would a divorce coach fall under a Cavell agreement? Not necessarily. And that okay. is something that you have to be so careful about because privilege is the biggest issue, right? And right. Um, when your divorce coach is sitting in the room with you, you have to be careful because that information is no longer privileged. And the divorce coach actually could also be subpoenaed, could be deposed, all of those things. So it's important right. to remember that, that, that issue. Gotcha. Absolutely. I think that's so important. So let's say I've got, I've got a list. Where do I go to get the names of divorce attorneys to even consider? What are the sources besides a divorce coach like me? Where can somebody go to find divorce attorneys? So look, I, I was just on the phone with somebody having a consultation. They went to their Facebook group of, you know, in their, in their town. Sometimes there is a Facebook group in the town and people put out questions, you know, who's a great divorce attorney? Who have you been happy with? So word of mouth referrals, perhaps you have friends um, or a support group of some sort that have gone through a divorce and they might recommend someone. That's always a good recommendation because they know who you are and they may actually be able to make a good match for you. Right. Therapists certainly are a good referral source um, for you. If you have a therapist that you you know feel safe and secure with and they know you, they may actually have other patients who have had divorces and who they can refer divorce attorneys to. There are also um, certainly bar associations can um, have lists. There is a site called AVO where um, people, the attorneys are actually rated in some way. Um, super lawyers is another place. If they go on the super lawyer site and they put in the area where they're looking for a divorce attorney, they can read about the divorce attorney. LinkedIn, um, you know, a lot of people find me through LinkedIn, um, you know, and, and reading and, and looking at articles and seeing your attorney's point of view. Podcasts, right? 
Podcast is another great way to find an attorney. You might hear an attorney talking on a podcast and say, you know, that's the person for me and have that interview and consultation. So there's a variety of ways to find an attorney. Wow. That's such great advice. So what, once you, let's say, have those names and you're going in to do the consultations, and we generally um, suggest talking to two or three, not just one, um, what should you look for and what questions should you ask? So first of all, I think you should look for an attorney who's listening to you, right? Who understands okay. what your situation is, who has had experience doing the kind of work that is going to be needed to be done in your case. So that's one thing. And, and you have to click. Your personalities need to click, right? right? If you already feel that you're in a hassle with your with with the attorney during a consultation, then that's probably not a good fit. If if there seems to be a genuine difference of opinion of how this should go, now it may be, frankly, that you're unrealistic, that you're just starting your journey, and that you don't really know what the law is or what what the end result might be. And your attorney is now telling you what some of those those things look like. Keep an open mind because I think the most important thing is you don't want an attorney who's going to oversell themselves, right? This should be somebody who you feel is being truthful and realistic. When you ask them the questions about custody issues, when you ask them the questions about division of assets or support, it's not that the attorney should be telling you what you want to hear. The attorney should be giving you the straight scoop. So I'm very careful right, during my consultations to be extremely realistic because I don't want to promise somebody something and they come to, to me because I promised them something. That is not a good way to build an attorney-client relationship. I, I like to be realistic. I lay it out. Sometimes people don't choose me the first time during a consult. Sometimes they go someplace else and then they come back to me and they say, you know, you what you said ended up being true and that's what the judge said and that's what, you know, I'm hearing and the other attorney promised me or was so empathetic about my situation or any of those kinds of, of things and you were just truthful and now they want to come back. Many of us have been taught to spend all our time, money, and energy investing in husbands, children, community, church, family, and others, but not ourselves. Divorce is not the time to do this. I'm Beverly Price, the empowering divorce coach who guides you on your journey before, during, and after. The next steps you will take set the stage for your entire divorce and life afterwards. I help you prepare fully for what is to come, understand and navigate the process, come to terms with your emotions, avoid costly mistakes, and create an empowered life after. With the right support and guidance, you can move through the process with knowledge, strength, and confidence. Schedule a free consultation with me at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. Let's journey to the other side of divorce together. And now let's get back to the show. Fascinating. Anything in particular you should ask them when you're interviewing them? So you should ask them, look, I think that you should certainly ask them um, about how long it's going to take. And if they are telling you it's going to be five minutes or five days, that's probably unrealistic, right? Because <laughs> it's a long time to unwind these relationships. And um, and you should be asking them what experience they have in the particular issues that you have in your particular situation. 
So, you know, when I do a consultation, I usually have a process. I talk about the kids. I want to understand, is there a primary caregiver for the kids? And then I go through a list of questions and I try to understand, is there any domestic violence um, in the household? What, you know, does the spouse even know that the divorce is about to happen? And then I go into the assets, the liabilities, the lifestyle, and then I, I sum it up as to what I think is going to happen in the case, right? How are we going to get there? And what do I think is the end result? Now, I don't have a crystal ball. And I always tell people my crystal ball is dark, really dark, like black. So... <laughs> I, I can't predict, but I can give a rough idea, right, of parameters between where this is going to end up. And usually I'm fairly, fairly good at that. Um, so you should, you know, you should be asking those questions. How long is it going to take? How expensive is it going to be? Um, what is your hourly fee? Do you work as a team or do you work by yourself? Um, you know, who else is going to be covering my case with you? Um, you know, do you have paralegal support? Do you have enough support so that if it gets complex, will you have the staffing that is actually necessary to be able to run my case? I, I think that people sometimes have this expectation that they're going to one person, but if I was going, I'd want a firm. I'd want to know that there was enough support so that if, if motions get, you know, come in, if there is for some reason, court appearances, trials, all of those kinds of things, that there is enough staffing that the firm can handle it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Great, great advice. I love that. So now here's the flip question that I think so many of us forget to ask. And that is, how can I be the best client for my attorney? You know, I focus all on having the best attorney and, and them doing the best for me, but how can I be the best client? So you ask the best questions, Beverly. <laughs> you hit that Cornell agreement and now this. So really ask the best questions. So I, I would say the first thing is be truthful, right? Okay. It, you know, being truthful is so important and be detailed. Make sure that you actually are timely. Don't, you know, if your attorney is asking for documents, they're asking for documents because there's deadlines usually. Don't wait to the very last second to give that attorney those that information or those documents because that is making life more difficult and there's a chance you're going to miss your deadline. So it's really important. And the truthfulness, I can't emphasize how important that is, right? You do not want your attorney to be blindsided. You don't want them going into court and finding out something is different than what you're saying, because then they okay. are standing there in front of the judge that they usually stand in front of, and they're looking foolish. And frankly, it's not just about looking foolish for your case. It's about all their other cases, because the judge trusts when they say things that they're going to be accurate. So you need to make sure that you're an accurate reporter. What about the statement that my attorney should make sure that I get a fair settlement. Okay. So there's, it, it, it's funny. Again, you like hit it. Okay. Cause I was thinking <laughs> myself, there's one other thing. So you need to be realistic as a client. Okay. You, you know, there, there is a limitation of what is going to happen here. All right. There, there is a, 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 an amount of assets. There's an amount of liabilities. There's an amount of income right? There's, there's children and there's, an, there's only so many days in a week, 
and there's only so many holidays and there's only so much summer vacation. Right, right, right. The kids go to camp, that's even less than what you think, right? So there, there's so many limitations and you can't set your standards so high that it is impossible to meet your, the, the standard that you've set. You need to be understanding of the fact that, look, there's income, but there's going to be less to go around. If there's you know, one one um, household income right now, there may need to be two, but the fact is that it only can go so far. And now you're going to have two homes to support. You, I know you want to keep the house. Very often people want to keep the house, but it may not yeah. make the most sense to keep the house. So keep an open mind is, is what I think you need to do. You need to keep an open mind and it's fine to want a fair settlement. And look, we, we try to do even better than fair sometimes. And sometimes we can, okay? But the fact is, is that you still need to be realistic. And when your attorney says, I've done all the discovery and I don't find these assets that you're saying are in, you know, the Cayman Islands or overseas or, you know, I think at some point you have to be realistic that maybe there isn't these hidden assets. Right. I think everybody suspects there's hidden assets, right? Um, uh, I was going to ask, um, there's a word thrown out all the time now, narcissist. And, uh, Sometimes I think it's overused, particularly if we're not a medical professional diagnosing it. There's a difference between just being a jerk and being a narcissist, right? And so how, when a client comes to you and says, you know, I'm married to a narcissist, what do you say and do? Well, so, you know, in my mind, okay, I say to myself, okay, that is their view of this person. Okay. It may or may not be true, but it's right. not really going to change how I'm going to conduct what I'm going to do. Right. I, you know, I think that clients sometimes are concerned that their, that their spouse is a narcissist and that they are so charming that they're going to charm their own attorney. Exactly. Right. Yes. Okay. And that they're so charming, they're going to, you know, be able to pull the wool over everybody's eyes. That is a very rare situation that that occurs. And so okay. I think that clients need to understand, yes, your spouse may be a narcissist or not. Okay. But right. your the way that you deal with your spouse is going to be different than with the way that your attorney deals with your spouse. And that that relationship is a different dynamic than how this is going to go. Gotcha. We we talked a little bit ago about expectations. Is it part of the attorney's responsibility to set the expectations? Okay. I think absolutely. I, I think okay. the attorney must set the expectations and I think it should be done in the very first consultation. I think that it, the attorney should be setting the expectations so that when the client retains, they're retaining based upon what they're hearing are the realistic expectations, not pie in the sky because that is not a good builder for a relationship between an attorney and a client. I also think that clients need to hear what those expectations are, right? Right. And if they have some different view from the very first time that there's a consult, then they need to say, you know, it's not really what my expectation is. Maybe this attorney isn't the right attorney for me, but they should check because sometimes it's their expectations that are not realistic. And exactly. this attorney may be the perfect attorney for them because they're telling them exactly what's going to happen. Amazing. 
So what happens if the opposite happens and expectations weren't set, I'm disappointed, there isn't good communication, there's not, things aren't moving. What happens if I'm just generally unhappy with my attorney? What should I do? Well, you should have a conversation, certainly with the attorney. Okay. I, you know, make an appointment, have a conversation, um, find out what it is that, what your expectations were that haven't been met uh, and, and listen, that that's a key, right? Because perhaps you weren't, and, and look, you know, people are stressed and to your point, overwhelmed, but perhaps the expectations weren't actually um, set correctly in the beginning. That is certainly possible. But on the other hand, perhaps they were and you had some different vision of what should happen. You can also go and get a second opinion. And of course, you can part ways with your attorney. But keep in mind that A, it, it costs a lot of money to do that because somebody has to relearn your, your case. And then, you know, if you do it too many times, then the court starts to wonder, okay, what is going on here? Is it that the person cannot take direction from anyone? And so it's very important to pick wisely. Yes. I think the other thing that I see frequently that I say is the number one mistake somebody can make in a divorce is to let their emotions hijack them so that they, they lose the ability to think clearly. They can't make a good decision and they're, whether it's a nervous wreck, whether they're consumed with anger, whether they're full of depression, whatever, unless you can work through that, your attorney can't be as effective because you are not fulfilling the role of being an educated, informed client. And I think so many times we'll walk in and say, okay, attorney, you do it all. And I'll just sit back and wait. Right. And that's not the way it is. So it's really important to, to manage those emotions, to get them, under control, if you will, so that you and your attorney can do the best job possible. That is so true. And and I think that people sometimes tend to use their attorneys as therapists. Okay. Yes. And that is a big mistake. You need to have a therapist. Okay. You need to have an attorney. You need to have a divorce coach, right? You need to have these separate people who can help you at different times for separate issues. Yes. And, you know, your attorney is not your therapist. Um, yes, your attorney may have opinions and advice on issues of custody, and certainly your therapist and your attorney should be working together and not against each other. That's very important, right? That your therapist is thinking also of what is important in terms of the legal aspect, because sometimes we, we do see that therapists and attorneys think very differently, and they need to both be on the same page when you're going through this process. Yeah. In the same way with a coach, I think it's critical that you, you're taking the lead from the attorney and what you're doing is then helping that client get to the place. She can be a strong and informed participant in that process. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I absolutely. so agree with you. So if, if you could step back and we've talked about so many things and it's been just amazing all the information I always like to ask my guests for three tips. What would be the three tips 
or steps that someone could take on this journey to find and form a relationship with a divorce attorney? Okay, so I would say that um, being truthful and transparent is tip number one. Do not, um, do not be anything less than totally truthful. It's like going to the doctor. If you don't tell the doctor all of your symptoms, they're not going to be able to help you. Number two, be timely. Make sure that you are actually um, timely getting the documentation, timely responding to the attorney, making sure that, you know, your divorce is like a second job, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That, that is really is. the case. And then third, be realistic. So, uh, you know, make sure that you are asking good questions, but that you are listening to the information and taking it in. Because if if your thought process is pie in the sky and your attorney is saying it's unrealistic, that will not help move this along for you. Absolutely. So, so true. So, Lisa, you are just, you're so incredible as a guest. How can our listeners find you? Because I'm sure they're going to want to know more. So they can go to my blog, which is lisaziderman.com, L-I-S-A-Z-E-I-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. They can email me at lz at mzw-law.com, or they can call 914-455-1000. Wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to share that I've forgotten to ask? No, you did an unbelievable job there, Beverly. I I mean, your questions were so interesting. And actually, um, I I mean, I have to say you're very well informed. Your clients are very lucky to have you as a divorce coach. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for being my guest today. This has just been a wonderful experience, just like this morning was. And to my guests, thank you so much for being here. I want to thank you for being with Lisa and I on this episode of Her Empowered Divorce. All of her information will be available in the show notes. This and all our episodes can be found at herempowereddivorce.com on the podcast page or on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also watch the video version on our YouTube channel, Her Empowered Divorce. Please share our story with your friends so we can reach out and help as many women as possible. And join me for our next episode where I'll be diving deeper into what another expert professional can share to help you on your separation and divorce journey. Remember, you are not alone. Until next time, stay empowered. podcast. Be sure to check out my other episodes of this podcast at herempowereddivorce.com on the podcast page or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe and leave us a review. This will help me reach out to help more women so they don't feel so alone and share this with your friends. With the right support and guidance, you can move through the process with knowledge, skills, and confidence and on to a time of growth and empowerment. If you're interested in learning more, schedule a free consultation with me at herempowereddivorce.com. I appreciate your support. Until next time, take care and stay empowered.